0: and that's been my experience with jesus as well as one who does not want me to simply feel better and then go away and not be a bother but in fact wants to see me face to face and say let me speak a blessing over you and send you out in peace and with purpose
1: welcome to the jesus storybook bible podcast a place where we remind you that grace can rewrite any story that hope shines a light through our darkest moments and that God's love changes lives. Here's your host, New York Times best-selling author, Sally Lloyd-Jones. Hello, I'm Sally Lloyd-Jones, author of the Jesus Storybook Bible, which tells the story of God's never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever love. Welcome to the show. Is it possible to live with pain and experience peace? What does it mean to be healed from physical or spiritual or emotional pain? Our guest today is writer and speaker, Amy Julia Becker. Amy is an award-winning writer of four books, including To Be Made Well, an invitation to wholeness, healing and hope. She hosts the Love is Stronger Than Fear podcast, and today she shares with us the challenges she faced on her own journey to healing. AJ, as she likes to be called, shares about how growing up, she was the perfect daughter, doing everything perfectly, performing perfectly in all the ways she was supposed to. And then one day at the age of 15, she came face to face with the terrible fallout of perfectionism in her own life, a devastating, long-standing illness. AJ shares the challenges she has faced since then on her personal health journey and how one of the most crucial things she's learned is to connect her body and mind and spirit to experience true healing her story sort of reminds me of one of my favorite stories in the Bible and it's where Elijah is having a meltdown no he really is he's just defeated all the prophets of Baal in a standoff on a mountaintop so it's a big triumph and now he's slumped under a bush and he just wants to throw in the towel and die and what does God tell him does he lecture him scold him give him a three-point sermon. No. God tells him, you need to eat something, Elijah. You need a nap. Don't you love that story? AJ shares how true health is God's shalom, or God's dream of human flourishing. That God heals us holistically, body and mind and soul. I can't wait for you to hear from AJ. She shares so vulnerably, so humbly and so honestly, and As you listen to her story, I know you'll be filled with hope. What a wonderful invitation she gives us to believe that healing is available for each of us and for every part of us. So without further ado, please welcome my friend and now yours, Amy Julia Becker.
0: My name is Amy Julia Becker. It's a double name, Amy Julia. Some people call me AJ, and I am a writer and a speaker and a teacher mostly in spaces around faith, family, disability, and healing. So I've written a number of books and done a lot of speaking and teaching when it comes to asking what does it mean for us to, especially those of us who are in physical pain, emotional pain, mental pain, what does it mean for us to experience healing, especially when it comes to an understanding of how God heals us, but I'm also looking at the way in which healing is not just about us as individuals, but also about us in the context of families and communities and even our whole society. What does it mean for us to actually live in what I think God's dream for healing would be a a state of shalom or of mutual giving and receiving of love and peace to one another? What keeps us from pursuing holistic healing? One's a historical reason that can go back as far as the Greeks or more recently with European enlightenment thought where we divided the body and the spirit. So the Greeks and in this influenced early Christian thought had an idea that the spirit was higher than the body. And so you kind of deny your body in order to get in touch with your spirit because that's what matters more. And it was almost inverted with the enlightenment when we had the scientific revolution and and started recognizing how we could verify things through the body. And so the spirit became this world of like unverifiable truth that was abstract. And so again, I think there was a divorce that happened. I think in recent years in the West, we've started to recognize that actually there is a lot of meaning that can be made by integrating mind and body and spirit. But I still think there's kind of a historical hangover (laughs) that makes us really hesitant or not even know how to do that. And then I also think we have barriers to healing because healing almost always involves acknowledging pain. And so we have so many distractions, we have so many ways to cover over our pain. And sometimes we're gonna literally be kind of reopening a wound in order to really make the healing happen. And that often involves going through more pain on the front end than we want to endure. And yet that's where, again, the gentle and kind invitations of Jesus that he gives again and again and again in the Gospels to people, you know, asking them questions, really being very patient with them in the desire for healing, and yet also showing us that he's not here to harm us, but to actually be with us through the pain and all the way to that place of healing. So grew up in a, home that was very loving and we had a lot of laughter and a lot of fun. And yet I also felt a lot of pressure from whatever source to really achieve. And I think I got somewhere along the way a message of you are loved because you achieve and perform well. And so I kept doing that. And I got A's and I wrote papers and I read books and I did all the things you're supposed to do, at least from the outside, to gain approval and recognition. And when I was about 15 years old, 14 or 15 years old, my stomach was paralyzed. So there was no movement within my gastrointestinal system, which obviously is a problem. And so from there, you know, it was many, many years of tests and doctor's visits and trying to figure out what had happened to precipitate what was called gastroparesis, which just means paralysis of the stomach. Up until that point, it had seemed like if there was a problem in my life, I could fix it. Just work harder. Just, you know, try harder. And I couldn't fix myself. And so I went on a journey of just asking a lot of questions and finally coming to a place of real faith in Jesus. But I was not miraculously healed of my stomach problems at that point. I went to physical therapy finally. This is when I was in college, so years later, for my stomach. And this woman who was the physical therapist was simply massaging my stomach and my organs. But she was talking to me about my life at the same time. And it was the first time I would really put together my relational life, my emotional life, and my physical all in the same place. And she wasn't even a Christian, so there was not a spiritual component to that per se. But there was a sense of me being a whole person, having a mind, a body, and a spirit that actually needed to be connected to each other instead of really divorced from one another. And it was that experience of talking about my life while my stomach was being physically manipulated in a trusting environment with someone who clearly cared about me, it was then that my organs essentially started to wake up and I did experience healing. And I think that was my first experience of recognizing that our minds, our bodies, and our spirits are an integrated whole, all of which have been given to us by God and which God intends for us to understand in relation to each other, not set apart from one another. So I just had a book come out called To Be Made Well, An Invitation to Healing, Wholeness, and Hope. And it's a book that is really thinking about personal, spiritual, and social healing. So when I first started working on the book, I thought I would use you know, three or four different gospel stories to have some sort of conversation about healing, to look at different aspects of healing and different practices that can help us participate in healing. So I've really thought about the woman in Mark chapter five who has been bleeding for 12 years for a long time. I've related to her as someone who had a long-standing illness and really didn't know was doing all she could to get well, and it wasn't working. And I've related to her, and she's someone who comes up to Jesus and tries to almost like sneak healing, like, can I get this without you noticing? Because I don't want to be a bother and I'm afraid of how you might respond. And Jesus really refuses to let her consider herself healed simply because her bleeding has stopped, and insists on really seeing her face to face and hearing her story and being able, I believe, to really speak a word of blessing over her. When Jesus often sends people out after they've been healed, he says, go in peace. And that sounds kind of like a throwaway line. Go in peace. But the Jewish word for that, for peace, is shalom. So he's saying, go in shalom. Go in this beautiful, big vision, this dream that God has for a world in which people are actually caring for one another and justice is being served and love is the center of how we relate to one another. So it's a pretty big mission actually (laughs) to be told by Jesus to go in peace. But I think it's that beginning with the understanding that he loves us and his healing is available to us that equips us to go in peace and to do that not alone, but actually in community and for the sake of seeing God's healing love as this broader invitation, not just for us individually, but for our whole society and our world. This is a passage from the Jesus Storybook Bible about a proud general named Naaman. Naaman was a very important man in a very important army of a very important country. So, you see, he was very, very, very important. But Naaman was sick. He had leprosy. Now, there was a little servant girl who worked for Naaman, and she knew someone who could help him. So Naaman hurried off to Elisha's house. But Elisha didn't even come out and greet him. He just sent a servant instead. Doesn't Elisha realize who I am? Naaman thought. But what the servant said next made him even crosser. Wash in there, he said. Just wash? Naaman laughed. Naaman was proud. He thought he didn't need God. His heart didn't work properly. It couldn't feel anything. You see, Naaman had leprosy of his heart. God was not only going to heal Naaman's skin, he was going to heal his pride. Naaman finally agreed to wash in the river and instantly, his skin became smooth like a baby." I think this passage is a great example of the body-mind-spirit connection where, yes, there was a physical you know, skin condition that Naaman had that was causing him pain and irritation and some form of ostracization. <laughs> you know, in the time, if you had leprosy, people didn't want to be around you. And yet there was also this heart issue, this pride issue that she gets at here and the washing in the river was as much about taking the instructions from the servant as it was about some magical property of the river. There was really a sense of Naaman's status as getting in the way of his healing and he needed to admit his own need. So he acknowledged the problem that he had, but he didn't want to admit that he needed to ask for help and to receive the help from a servant. But once he was able to do that, then he was able to really participate in healing. And I think that's a pattern we see throughout scripture, that we have to acknowledge pain and be honest about it. And then we have to ask for help and be humble about it. And then the healing is possible for us. And that's true for our minds, our bodies, our spirits and our communities.
1: You can get the Jesus Storybook Bible wherever books are sold. To find out more about the book and all of Sally's other books, please visit Sally at sallylloyd-jones.com and follow her on Instagram at sallylloydjones and at jesus underscore storybook underscore Bible. Before we go, don't forget, God loves you with a never stopping, never giving up,